Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to episode 43 of the Nope Too Creepy podcast. This episode will be slightly different and feature three stories that are a bit shorter than usual, but don't worry, that does not mean they are not packed with every bit of terror as the longer ones. And since it's officially December, I've decided to refer to these shorter stories as stocking stuffers. Clever, right? I know, I know. The first two stories are the shortest of the three, and oddly enough, they both have to do with the forest. One of my favorite settings, both in real life and for tales of horror. And for good reason. The duality of natural beauty and the fear of the unknown come together very well when you find yourself deep in the woods, especially if night has fallen. This first tale follows a young woman and her best friend as they make their way through a forest of their own. She also learns the hard way that the forest can serve as a place of peace and a place of dread. Written by Reddit user AJ Shadows, here is I Followed My Best Friend Through the Woods. My friend, Astrid, was the most beautiful soul I have ever met. She was the kind of person who would do anything for her friends, and when she was with a person, she was 100% invested in them, in their story, in their life. When she asked how someone was feeling, she genuinely meant it. She was the friend who made me want to be the best version of myself. A friend I would do anything for, even if it meant leaving my comfort zone far behind. That's why, when she led me down a narrow path in the remote Michigan wilderness along the vast Lake Superior, I followed her unquestioningly. I don't remember exactly how we got there or what came before. All I could think of were my immediate surroundings, the lapping of the waves against the distant shore, the cry of the seagulls circling for fish, the chill of the August air as it weaved through the towering pines promising an early autumn this year but the warmth of the sun against my skin, letting the air know summer was not quite done playing. Most importantly, out of all those things, I saw my beautiful companion, my best friend in the whole world, walking ahead of me, talking and laughing. There was no place else I would rather be. My heart was full. I followed her without question, not knowing or even caring where we came from, where we were going, or hell, even what time of day it was. I was usually a meticulous planner, but the details I would fret over before a trip simply did not matter. I couldn't help but notice how lovely she looked, 
I mean, she was always radiant, but this time she was ethereal, unnatural almost. Her wavy brown hair fell gracefully to her lower back, emitting a soft glow I assumed was from the sun. She was in her best hiking outfit, REI pants, keen boots, and an L.L. Bean wicking shirt. She even wore the bright red scarf I made her for Christmas this past year. I noticed her boots made no sound as she walked, making her look as if she was floating. A fairy princess leading me into a mythical forest. I laughed out loud at the thought, the sound stopping her abruptly. She turned to face me with a questioning look. Astrid, where are you taking me? I asked. She pressed her finger to my lips, urging me to be silent, then pointed ahead of us to where the trail broke off through the trees, leading to a cliff overlook. I walked ahead, and as I got closer to the cliff, the blissful feeling I had throughout our journey turned to a bitter coldness within my heart. I stopped, just shy of the cliff, not wanting to go any further. For some reason, I was afraid. Afraid to look over the edge. I felt something icy cold on my shoulder. It was her hand. She squeezed reassuringly, urging me to go forth. When I got to the edge, I felt a gust of cool air whip my face. As I squinted my eyes for a better look, a flash of red appeared in the lower edge of my vision. My heart was pounding. I looked down, and there it was. The scarf I made Astrid for Christmas last year. The one she was just wearing. But how? I turned around, and she was nowhere in sight. I stepped back into the woods. The path we walked turned out to be more of a makeshift footpath, or deer path. I frantically tried to retrace my steps. I didn't get too far when I noticed a group of individuals in neon vests walking side by side. It looked as if they were combing the forest. I looked down at my own clothes to find I was also wearing a similar vest. As if a spell was broken, I realized why I was out here in the woods. Astrid had gone missing last week after a solo hiking trip. I managed to tell the police where her scarf was. Sure enough, her body was found in the lake shortly after a boat was dispatched to the bottom of the cliff. Just like that, the most wonderful day in my life, spent with my favorite person, ended with me losing her forever. We got through the first story, 
But, dear listener, we are not out of the woods just yet. This next tale follows a gentleman who loves the outdoors and finds himself at the root of something beautiful. Okay, that was the last stupid joke of this episode. Please don't change podcast. I, I, please. <sighs> well, anyway, what he finds is beautiful until it's not. And then, well, you'll just have to wait and find out. Written by Reddit user. Uh, hopefully I'm pronouncing this right. Daniel Bayer, 1990. Enjoy Somewhere Under the Rainbow. They always tell you that when you reach the end of the rainbow, there is a pot of gold. This could be a good thing or a bad thing, depending on the lore. Well, I'm here to tell you it is neither good, nor are there little green leprechauns guarding the treasure. The rain had been pouring for three days straight. Loud thunder reverberated from the nearby mountains with each bolt of lightning. Thankfully, I worked from home and had enough food to last me until the storm broke, so I didn't have to venture out into it. On the night it was supposed to let up, I figured, hell, it's Friday, I've been cooped up, and the fish will probably be biting fantastic in the morning. So I'd wake up early and take a trip to my secret fishing hole. It was a little after 4am when I reached my favorite place on earth. It was about an hour before sunrise, and there was only mist remaining from the storm. I was pretty lucky with my catches. I got a couple of really nice 5 to 7 pound largemouth bass and even a nice sized pike. To top everything off, when the sun began to rise, the most vivid rainbow I had ever seen materialized right over the lake, ending a little past the tree line to my left. I figured that I could set up my phone in a tree to capture myself basking in the glow of colors. I've seen those pictures and videos of all the people standing under the end of the rainbow and always thought they were real. After what I experienced, I now believe they all must be photoshopped. I trudged through the brush until a grunting noise alerted me that something was there. I tiptoed slowly trying to catch a glimpse of what it was. My sense of childhood wonder thought it must have been a leprechaun, but there was no little green man that awaited me. In a clearing under the magnificent gleam of the end of the rainbow sat the most awe-inspiring apple tree. It was as if this tree was the muse for every childhood drawing. A broad, deep brown trunk, massive limbed branches, thick, luscious green leaves, and bright red apples peering out as if to say hello to a new day. What luck! A nice juicy apple was as good as a pot of gold in my mind. So, 
I went climbing to snag one for myself and enjoy its deliciousness. Not only was it such a beautiful tree, but the grooves in the trunks and the perfectly placed branches seemed to be made to climb up to sample its delicacies. I climbed about 20 feet, reaching its foliage, noticing the perfectly shaped fruit a mere lean away. Reaching out, I grabbed the apple, plucking it from its life source, and made my descent down. A fruit as beautiful as this deserved to be eaten, leaning against its maker. Snuggling up, nestling myself into the roots, I took a bite. The apple was the perfect balance between sweetness and tart, sliding down my throat as if I had just drank a glass of juice. I tore into another bite with haste, unable to help myself from the sweet delicacy. I devoured the fruit as if I had gone savage, so transfixed I did not notice the groans coming from behind me. The tree scraped against my back as I finished its offspring. I glanced back thinking maybe I was falling into a deep slumber, like Snow White eating the evil queen's gift. It was not me that was slumping over, but the tree itself was rising. Jutting out of the earth were two long, solid roots fashioning legs. I scrambled backwards, dazed by the sight before my eyes. The tendrils of one of its newly made legs shot out, grabbing me by the ankle and lifting me up. I dangled upside down with nothing to grab onto to free myself. A face formed where I had been climbing moments before, fluttering its newly made eyes and cracking its jaw. You climbed my face. You used me as your climbing toy. You stole my young and devoured it. For that, I shall return the favor. The gruff voice of the tree bellowed. With that, he threw me onto the ground, knocking all the air from my lungs. I gasped for air as his giant leg came down slowly, pressing on my face. My nose cracked under the pressure, gushing wet liquid down my face to the ground. Sticks poked my face, but thankfully avoided my eyes. Not that they were of any use, because they were welled up with tears from the pain and shock. After the tree felt I had had enough, it lifted its limb before grabbing me with his branch. It wound up chucking me against another tree, and intense pain erupted as my arm shattered. Without reprieve, the branch grabbed me again, in time for the tree to once again speak. Now I will delight myself with a delicious treat. It began lowering me towards its now gaping mouth, and all I could do was stare up in the basking of the sun, 
enjoying the ill-fated rainbow. I couldn't even enjoy that last little bit of peace, because as my lower half entered the tree, a cloud passed over the sun, severing the vibrant colors. I closed my eyes as the last of the colors faded, knowing this was the end. A jolt of pain reverberated through my back. I was once again on the ground. I opened my eyes, looking around, but the tree was gone. The rain started to cascade on me as a new storm approached. Getting my bearings, I got up, backing out of the space where the mighty tree once stood. No dirt or grass was out of place. There was nothing to show where the tree once stood. I raced back to my car as fast as my broken body would allow, leaving my fishing gear and heading home to clear my head. When I arrived, I began to hobble towards my door. Before I could reach it, I noticed something on my stoop. Sitting there on the pavement was one perfect, delicious red apple. Well, they did it now. They went ahead and pissed off evil Groot. That was an odd one if you ask me, but I love when the antagonist of a story is something you'd never expect. An evil tree who only appears at the end of rainbows. Sign me up. Speaking of which, this next story also follows that theme. While it's not in the forest, the, um thing in the story, that's all I'm going to call it for now, is also something I've never heard of or seen before, and that makes it all the creepier. Written by Reddit user, uh, I'm just going to read this as is, alright, I didn't make this up, Kurt Cobain's clitoris, with a K, I present The Call. I loaded the last of my grocery bags into the trunk of my car. I slammed the trunk shut and began to make my way to the cart return. I walked back, and before I could enter my car, I noticed this small slip of paper sticking on my windshield. I plucked the paper out from underneath my windshield wiper and read it. Written on the paper was my cell phone number. I got chills down my back. I got in my car and locked the doors, checked the back seat real quick, and stared at the note. I didn't recognize the handwriting. What was more terrifying was the small, smiley face written under the number. I looked around the mostly empty parking lot, but there was nobody close enough to my car. A few people were loading groceries or heading into the store, but there was nobody near my car. I drove home, 
scared and confused. After unloading my groceries and making dinner, I was able to calm down. I thought maybe it was a prank. I teach down at the local high school. It's Halloween time. Tons of the children have my number. This made sense to me. Then, my phone started to ring. Unidentified caller. I started to feel uneasy again. I picked up the phone and answered the call. Hello? Who is this? I'm hanging up. Don't call me again. Tomorrow. What? Call. Tomorrow. The caller hung up. I was scared and confused. I tried to block the number, but when I went to my call log, it wasn't even there. I locked all my doors and went to sleep. Or at least I tried to. The next morning, I was making breakfast, getting ready for my day, when my phone rang again. Unidentified caller. I felt nervous and decided not to answer. It began ringing again and again. Then, my landline started to ring as well, which I never even use. It just came with my internet. I finally picked up the phone. Answer. First time. Who are you? Call. Tomorrow. They hung up. I was starting to get really scared. Tomorrow, I will go to the police for sure. I packed a bag and double-checked the locks on my doors and windows before bed. The next day, I grabbed the bag and made my way to the police station. When I arrived, I explained the situation, and they said it was probably some kid from the school I worked at, like I had originally thought. They put a bug on my landline and cell phone and told me the next time they called, they could trace it so I should attempt to keep them on the phone. When I did eventually get home, sure enough, they called. Been gone all day? Yes, I have. Why do you keep calling? Police can't save. How did they know about the police? What do you want with me? Why are you calling? Hello? Want to... breathe. What? What does that mean? Need... lungs. Need... you. They hung up. 
After that, I called the sheriff and asked if he got the call. He said he recorded all of it, but when they played it back, it was all gurgling noises on the other end. They couldn't understand a thing that the person on the phone said. I was in shock, since I was able to hear them clearly for the most part. He said he would keep a patrol car outside my home, and they would look into it in the morning. The patrol car out front gave me some comfort, and I was able to sleep. In the morning, there were three police cars outside my home. I ran outside to see what was going on. There was crime scene tape and an ambulance as well. The sheriff saw me coming outside and ran to me. Jane, stay where you are. I stopped at the end of my driveway. And that's when I saw it. The policeman in the patrol car. There was blood everywhere. It painted the inside of his windshield. What happened? I asked. We don't know yet. It may or may not have to do with the caller. For now, it might be best if you stayed with a friend. He said. I agreed and went inside to pack my bags. My co-worker Sarah agreed to let me stay in her home while she was on vacation. I grabbed her spare key from under the mat and let myself in. As soon as I was inside, Sarah's house phone began to ring. I was hesitant. What if it was him? I decided to let the machine get it. Jane. Coming. Find. Jane. I started crying. I called the sheriff and told him what happened immediately. He came over and we made a plan on what to do. I would leave town as soon as I could. He even decided to spend the night at Sarah's home with me to make sure I was safe. In the morning, he left for work and I made plans to stay at a hotel outside of town. Right after the sheriff left, Sarah's phone rang again. I knew this was coming. We unplugged her landline. I checked it, and it was still unplugged. Chills ran down my body. The machine picked it up again. See you. My blood ran cold. I turned around to see where the sound was coming from. And then I saw it. Standing at the back window was... Me. It looked exactly like me. Except completely wet. With a very wide mouth. 
smiling. Whatever it was kept tapping the window. I was terrified. Go away! I screamed. It opened its mouth and water began to fall out. Need you. Why? My lungs. That's the last thing I remember. I've been stuck here ever since. It's cold. Dark. Wet. I can barely breathe. Every time I talk, water passes through my throat. Everyone that's here looks like that thing that dragged me down. Even I'm starting to look like them. If you get this, please send help. Thank you for joining me in this episode of the Nope Too Creepy podcast. If you're interested in learning more about either of the authors, the links to connect with them can be found in the show notes. Be sure to check back in two weeks for the next episode, which will feature two Christmas horror stories. And two weeks after that, boom, two New Year's Eve themed stories. It's about to get real festive up in here, so I hope you're ready. Until next time, this is your host, Dan David, reminding you all to stay safe out there. I'll be seeing you in the next episode. Nope.